of Exodus chapter 12. Now, if you were here last weekend, we talked about the Passover lamb, which is Jesus, that we need to stay under the blood of the lamb. The blood, according to Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. And so I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus is big today, guys. We're going to talk about another feast, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Now, these feast guys, they were at an appointed time, and they weren't optional. And that God wanted them to come out. They were practical, they were spiritual, and they were prophetic. Now, how the Feast of the Unleavened Bread took place was, remember when God sent Moses, and Moses said to the Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. And the Pharaoh wouldn't do it. And so over and over things happened. Well, remember the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. It finally broke the old Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh said, get out. Get them out of here. Go. And so Moses goes and he tells the Israelites, he said, listen, guys, we don't have time to let the bread rise. We just got to go. And it was symbolic of them not only leaving Egypt and bondage, but they were going to the promised land. They were going to a land that flowed with milk and honey. Now, to get on that journey, they had to get into it by faith. Man, they had to believe God, God's going to take care of us. So when we talk about the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, if you've ever needed bread, and I, I've never done a whole lot of that, okay? I'm not going to sit up here and act like I have. But if you put just a little speck, just a little smidgen of yeast, and begin to knead that and to work that into bread, It'll, it'll take over the whole lump. It'll, it'll take it over in, in, in minutes, seconds. Now, to point that out just a little bit here today, you see I got a bowl of, of clear water. And I mean, this can represent the, the, the unleavened bread, but when I put in just a drop of this, look what just a drop does. Just a little bit of this, it takes over the whole thing. Now, this morning, we're going to learn what the Feast of the Unleavened Bread is, and it's going to be an eye-opener to us in a good way. Exodus 15, Exodus 12, verse 15. It says, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the first day you shall remove the leaven from your house. Now, the leaven here, guys, is symbolic of corruption. Now hold fast to that, that it's removed the corruption from your house. Now once again, I want to keep reminding of this, that just a little, just a little leaven, just a little corruption will ruin the whole thing. He goes on to say, For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Now this will be a reoccurring statement over and over this morning. That when I have leaven in my life, even a little bit, it cuts me off from the things that God wants us to have. And even in their own life, you know what it represented? God said, I want to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. But if you got this leaven in your life, it's going to cut you off. Verse number 16. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, a gathering. And on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of the unleavened bread. For on this same day, I will brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations an everlasting ordinance. You know why he's telling them this? I want you to always observe this. 
The Lord was telling them, I don't want you to ever forget what I've done for you. That you were held in bondage. You were slaves. So I want you every time that you celebrate the feast of the unleavened bread, remember what took place for you. Keep going. So he goes on to say, In the first month on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven or corruption shall be found in your houses. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. Now, he repeats himself. This was how it was important. So remember, the Passover lasted for one day. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread, it was a full week. So you may ask, how does that apply to us today? Well, let's go back into the New Testament. And go with me to, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And you'll begin to see here in, in, in Matthew, mostly where we're going to be this morning, that there were five leavens that Jesus talks about, or actually the New Testament talks about. Three of those Jesus talked about himself. The other two the Apostle Paul talked about. And these are Jesus' thoughts. Now begin with me in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 5. Now, when Jesus' disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. So right there, it lists the first two leavens we're going to talk about. The leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, okay? Now, when Jesus said to them, Come over here, and they had forgotten bread, Look what their thought was in verse number 7. And they reasoned among themselves saying, It is because we have taken no bread. So you know what their thought was once again? We left the bread at home. Now Jesus clarified what it was. And look at their response, the disciples in verse 12. Then they understood that Jesus did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of or the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So this is what we're going to get over. We're going to see what the level of these guys was. Look over a couple pages to Matthew chapter number 23. Matthew 23. Now you're going to go through a bunch of scripture today, guys. We're going to keep moving. But when you study the leaven of the Pharisees, guys, these guys turn the things of God into a bunch of rituals. And a bunch of tradition. And when you look at the Pharisees, they were the model of what we would say. They were very, very religious. In other words, they cared more about what they appeared like on the outside than the inside. And when you look at Father God all through the New Testament, God is more concerned about my heart and my inside than he was on the outside. Now, we could read the whole book of Matthew 23, and it would give you insight on the Pharisees. I want you to pick up with me in verse 25 for time's sake, and look at Jesus, the words. He said, Woe to you, scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, it's interesting that Jesus entitled them a bunch of hypocrites. That doesn't sound like Jesus to me. You know why? These guys, they really irritated Jesus. Keep reading. Why? For you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, 
But on the inside, you are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees. Now, he wasn't talking about them blind physically. He's talking about them spiritually. First cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside then may be clean also. And so when you look at this, these guys were notorious for being more concerned about the ceremonial cleansing of things than inner holiness. I may refer to this several times this morning, but the worst, the worst example that human beings can give about Jesus is when people acknowledge him with their lips, but we deny him with our lifestyle. That's exactly what these guys did. These guys were more about how they looked and about positions that they held. They wanted everyone to look at them and think they're very spiritual. Now, I can honestly tell you, right now, I've never been to Israel. I have family members that have. My oldest sister's been there at least five times. My brother's been there several times. You know what they'll tell you about the Pharisees to this day? You'll still know who they are. To this day, and you know what they say about the other Jews? The other Jews cannot stand them because they're so religious. Gives you an idea why Jesus was this way about them. Verse 27. Woe. And any time in the Bible you see this woe, it's not good. Woe to you scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear or look beautiful outwardly. But inside you are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so you also outwardly you appear righteous to who? You appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Outwardly, you appear righteous, but inwardly, you're morally defiled. Now, when I come across like I'm religious, and you know what religion says? I'm better than you. I'm better than you. We go back to the theme of Exodus, first of all that it'll cut you off. The leaven that Jesus was talking about is if you think you're going to get somewhere with God because you're religious, not going to happen. It'll cut you off. And number two, just a little bit of religion will level the whole lump. Just a little bit. Now that's the first one. The second one is we saw there in Matthew 16 when Jesus said the leaven of the Sadducees. Well, what's that all about? We'll go back to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, and we'll begin in, in verse number 23. Matthew twenty-two twenty-three. 23. The same day, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and asked him. Now, here's the leaven of the Sadducees you see immediately. They denied the resurrection. They don't believe there's life after death. And so really, you know what they've done? They said there's no miracles. They deny the supernatural. Now Jesus right here, he's going to begin to address this, guys. I believe in, in, in life after death. I believe in the resurrection. I mean, I don't believe that the only time you're ever going to exist is right here on earth. I believe things are going to happen. And you know what it's called? eternity and each one of us are going to spend someplace eternally whether that's heaven 
or whether that's in hell. Now let's keep reading here and look at what Jesus gets over here in dealing with these guys. He goes on to say in verse 23, the same day the Sadducees say there's no resurrection, they came to him saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, he shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, he left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, all the way through the third, even to the seventh. Now how would you like to be good old lucky number seven? Oh, happy day, huh? No, it wouldn't be. Look what Jesus goes on to say. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken. Many translations say you are deceived, not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. Now, one of the reasons Jesus says this is these guys have limited to um, they've limited miracles to a day. Guys, miracles have nothing to do with a day. Miracles come from God, and God is the God of miracles. And if you look at Hebrews 13, 8, it says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know about you guys. I love the thought of miracles. I still believe God does miracles. I believe one of the reasons God doesn't do the miracles that he used to is because many times we don't expect it. We don't believe God's going to do those things. Let me ask you something. How many have ever seen a miracle? And look at all the hands go up. I'm tell you right now, one of the, the most significant miracles I ever saw in my life when I'm 19 years old. I'd just gotten born again. And I saw a young boy, probably 10 years old, maybe 11, who had been deaf since birth. And I saw him lay hands on him. They snapped into his fingers. He started moving around. His head started moving. And all of a sudden, his mother started weeping. I mean, uncontrollably. And I'm thinking, what is going on? She testifies he's been deaf since birth. And all of a sudden, he's hearing again. And I've never forgot that, guys. And I still believe today that the greatest miracle is called the new birth. That when you give your heart to Jesus, Jesus comes on the inside and something begins to happen. And so don't limit miracles to a day. Miracles are from God. And I believe when we get our faith out there, God will still move. Keep reading, verse 30. For the resurrection, they neither marry nor given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? And God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, why is this important when Jesus referred to this? Because Jesus quoted Exodus 3.6. And when God said in Exodus 3.6, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob, those three guys had been physically dead for a period of time already. But God still referred to them as I'm the God of these guys. So you know what that tells me? There's life after death. There's resurrection and once again, Jesus gets over on these guys called the Sadducees. This ought to tell you why they were sad, you see. Right here, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the miracle power of a living God. That's the second one. Now, once again, when I put God in a box and I quit believing those things, I cut myself off. 
But just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now here's the third one. Turn over right there where you're at to to Matthew 22, but we're going to begin in verse 15. Now this one, guys, will be referred to as the leaven of Herod. This was referenced in Mark 8, 15, and there's five references of this in the New Testament. The leaven of Herod. Now listen what happens here in, in, in Matthew 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and they plotted how they may entangle or entrap Jesus with his talk. And they sent him their disciples with the, there they are, the Herodians. Now let me give you a little insight about who these guys were. This was a minor political party of the Jews and most of the time they despised the Pharisees. The Pharisees were their archangel, I mean their arch rivals. But this time, to entrap Jesus, they got involved. This is the leaven of the Herodians here. Keep reading. Teacher, we know that you are true. And you teach the way. And, 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 and you, know, you know you teach the way and of God and of truth. And do not care about anything. For you do not regard the person of men. They say this to Jesus. Jesus didn't regard the person of men. Well, who did he die for? He didn't die for himself. He was perfect. Keep reading with me. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness, and he said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Now, in all three of these leavens that Jesus dealt with, whether it was the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or even the Herodians, It's interesting that he addressed them every time as you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Now the reason he said this to these guys is he knew if he said yes, he would lose all his favor that he had with all the people that hated Roman domination. But if he said no, you know what they would do? They would turn him in as a traitor. And so Jesus was like, I perceive your wickedness, you you bunch of hypocrites. Keep reading. Jesus said, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Now they couldn't entrap him even though they tried to. So what does this all mean when you see the The leaven of the Herodians, guys. I believe these men were men of compromise. They wanted the best of both worlds. They wanted to be a Jew part of the time, but they wanted to be Roman the other time. You know why? Because they liked political positions. And so they liked the favor of God, but like they liked the favor of men. They liked the favor of the world, but they liked the favor of heaven also. And so they were a bunch of compromisers. How does that fit in with us, guys? Well, as Christians, I can't stand on the fence. Many times as Christians, we like to straddle the fence. We don't want to be persecuted. We would rather blend in. And so a lot of times we have the the, the leaven of the Herodians because we can be a saint on Sunday, but a sinner on Monday. Now, Jesus himself, he had some words about fence straddlers. 
And in Revelations 3, he said this, that if you're lukewarm, and that's a fence scratter right there. I don't want to make a statement either way. I just want to blend in. Jesus said this, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Pretty graphic, huh? Why? Because you're neither hot nor you're neither cold. And so Jesus right here was addressing compromise. I'm either all in with God or I'm all out. Now once again, we fall back. The leavens will cut me off, but it takes just a little bit of compromise to spoil the whole batch. What are you compromising in your life? And I believe this is what the Lord is trying to get to us here, that I don't want to cut you off. Now go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Sure got quiet in this Presbyterian church. 1 Corinthians 5. Think about this, guys, as you're turning there. What was the reason the Lord wanted to get the Egyptians out? He wanted to bless them. He wanted to bless them, but he said, you've got to get that leaven out of your house, out of your life. Now, here we are. This is 1 Corinthians 5, and this becomes the leaven of the Corinthians. The leaven of the church at Corinth. This was addressing believers. Now to understand that he was talking about leaven here. Let me read you one verse before we get into what he's talking about. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 6. Your glorifying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Okay? So that establishes right here. The apostle Paul begins to deal with the leaven of the church at Corinth. Look at verse number 1 and we'll get into what he's talking about. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. Where? Within the church. And such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. You know what he's saying? Right here in this church, we've exceeded what the world is doing. With a thing called sexual immorality. Keep reading. That a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up. You are arrogant and have not rather mourned. You know what he's talking about right there? It doesn't bother any of you. You come to church and you act like, so what? If it feels good, do it. It's all right. Everybody's doing it. And so what Paul's getting over here to is he said, this should bother you guys to the point of what? We'll keep reading. That he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. You know what he's telling us? You got to get rid of that junk within the church. Don't sit there and applaud it. Don't sit there and act like it's okay. And this is what he's talking about. You know what? When it comes to sexual immorality, we can't overlook it. We can't excuse it. And even more so, we can't do it just because man approves of it. See, that's what's happening right now. All through our society, it's over. It's okay. We're even making laws. It's okay. But one of the songs I sang this morning, it says, hold on to the truth. 
Hold on to the truth. I think that's one of the most significant things that I can say to each one of us today. Hold on to the truth. Hold on to the Word of God. Tell your children, hold on to the Word of God. Everything else is going to let you down, guys, but the Word of God. You know why? The Word of God will remain the same. It'll read the same next week, next year, over and over. Let God be true and every man a liar. I knew this would get great reviews today. I knew you guys would love this. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He didn't come to endorse sin. What's so bad about sexual immorality? Look a a page over to 1 Corinthians 6. I want you to look at this in verse number 18. It says, flee sexual immorality. Flee it. One of the greatest illustrations I can give you this was in Genesis when Potiphar's wife came after Joseph. And you know what he did? He fleed. He ran from him. You know what that tells me? Don't entertain it. Don't entertain it. If that means that, that, that you stay out of the bars. Stay out of the back seat. That's a novel idea. Stay out of the gym. Stay off the computer. Stay out of magazines. If that's what it takes, guys, flee from it. Run from it. Because just a little bit will leaven the whole lump and it'll cut us off. Because sexual immorality does something within us That's not healthy. And look what he goes on to tell us right here. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You know what this tells me? We release a destructive power within us. Every one of us. Guys, this thing reads the same for me as it does you. You want to see something here? Same same chapter. Same book, 1 Corinthians 6. Look at verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous, ones that have done wrong deeds, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Will not inherit. You know what people say to this? But I confessed Him as Lord and Savior. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But he says right there, those who who practice unrighteousness, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. So once again, we can fall back to one of the worst things we can do as Christians is we can confess him with our mouth, but deny him with our lifestyle. And then he says very next, do not be deceived. Do not be misled. You know what that means? Don't kid yourself. Well, I I love Jesus with all my heart. But do my actions verify this? Now look what he gets over to. Neither fornicators. You know what a fornicator is? We don't like that word in our society anymore. A fornicator is, if you're not married and you're in any form of sexual relationship with somebody else, you're a fornicator. You're a fornicator. And in God's eyes, that's sin, guys. I don't care who you are, even me. I can stand before you today, and I don't say this with great pride. Before I got married, I was a fornicator. 
You were a pastor? Yes, I was. I mean, my teenage years. And I tell you guys, I repent and I repent and I repent for that junk. The second thing he goes on to say here is he goes on in that same verse and says, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Now, you know what an adulterer is? If you're married and you're in the sack with somebody other than your wife, you're an adulterer. No, we're not, Pastor. We're just having an affair. No. That's the casual way of saying it. That's the, the sympathy. I'm just having an affair. No, you're an adulterer in God's eyes. Sometimes the truth hurts you. And sometimes the truth is annoyingly accurate. Hold on to the truth. But he doesn't stop there. Look what he goes on to say in the area of sexual immorality. Homosexuals and sodomites. This is why God said, he said, you will not have a part of the kingdom of heaven. But you know what? We have states that are legalizing some of this. I don't care. That's why i got to hold on to the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. And if my life doesn't line up with this word, then guys, I'm going to get off. That's why it's so important. And I know sometimes, man, the truth will tear you up. But only the truth will set you free. Only the truth will get you out of this junk. So once again, what's he telling us? Just a little, 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 little leaven of sexual immorality corrupts the whole bunch. And if you think you can dabble in it, get ready. And look at the last one. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Just right there to your right a little bit. And this is the Apostle Paul writing too. And just to set the table a little bit here for this last leaven. Look, look what he says in verse 9. Galatians 5 verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So you know what he's telling us here? This is the leaven of the church at Galatia. Now most of these in the church at Galatia, they were Gentiles that had gotten born again. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and you'll begin to pick up real quick what he's going to address. Verse 1, Galatians 5, 1. Stand, there, stand fast, therefore, in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. How are we made free? By Christ. Only by Jesus. I can tell you this right now. Your only hope and my only hope is Jesus. No other way, okay? There's no other shortcuts. Keep reading. And do not be entangled or cut off again with a yoke of bondage. So he tells me two things there with the yoke of bondage. Don't return to your former way, your former conduct. Or number two, don't return to living by the law. Don't do that. Verse 2. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. You know what he's telling us here? Guys, just because you've got circumcised, that's not the proof of salvation. You know what the last leaven is? It's a thing called legalism. That we try to justify our salvation and our very inheritance by obtaining things because of good works or acts we do. Verse 3. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is now a debtor to keep the whole law. So you know what Paul's telling us? 
If you want to go that way and be legalistic, then you got to keep the whole law. You know what that means? There was over 600 laws. Over 600 laws that the Jews had to live by. And you know what Father God figured out in the Old Testament? They can't do it. They can't do it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send them a Savior named Jesus, and He's going to qualify them. He's going to help them to do it. I mean, you think about the Ten Commandments. How many of you broke the Ten Commandments last week? Probably every one of us in here, except you religious and you legalistic ones. Ow, that hurt. See, once again, the point was here, guys, is he's telling us, if you want to try to inherit these things by being legalistic, you can't do that. And he goes on to say in verse 4, you have become estranged. You have been cut off from Christ. You who attempted to be justified by law, you've fallen from grace. Now, I always get tickled when I hear Gentiles that say, we're going to live the Jewish, the Jewish customs. Well, that's fine. You can do that. But they're not pick and choose. Well, I like this one, but I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. To live under the law, you've got to live 100% that way. And he's telling them right here, Paul is, who was a Jew, he's telling these Gentiles, you're not going to be able to do it, guys. And when you try to do that, guess what's happened? You've fallen from grace. I don't know about you, I thank God for the grace of God every day. Woo, thank you, Father God, for gracing me. You know what? Yeah, you ought to clap. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, me and you would look like a piece of bacon that's been in the microwave for a minute. We'd be crispy critters, guys. I'm going to tell you that right now. He's an all-consuming fire. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus... Neither, highlight that word, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails for anything. Neither one of them counts for anything. But faith working through love. That's the ticket right there. And so he's saying get rid of this legalistic approach to think you can achieve the things of God by doing this. By doing that. Uh Uh-uh. The way it happens is by faith, the grace of God. I start believing God. I start believing that Jesus died for me for everything he said. I thank you, Lord. And so when it comes to living by faith, you know what your greatest words can be? I receive, Father God. I, re- I can't earn it. I can't, you can't earn salvation. You can put a cross on your back and rock around the city all next week. I ain't going to do jack for you, but wear you out. That's it. You may eat a little better that night and sleep a little better. But as far as spiritually, not going to do nothing. Now, when you look at the legalistic approach that he was talking about, legalism usually falls in the three D's. Number one is days. What do you mean by days? Well, there's a lot of people that will say, all you guys are going to hell because you don't worship God on the Sabbath. You know what the Sabbath is, guys? It's Saturday. It's Saturday. I realize that. I understand what the Bible says. But Jesus also said something in Mark 2, 27 and 28. Was man made for the Sabbath or was the Sabbath made for man? I don't think when we get legalistic that God gives a flip. 
God just wants us when we assemble together to come in here and honor him and praise him and thank him. I've had people that left this church because they said, you don't worship God on the Sabbath. You know what I told one lady? I said, you know what? We could, we could start having a 5 o'clock Saturday service. And I said, that would rock your world. You know why? She loved Texas Tech football. And I said, that would mean you couldn't go to the games anymore. And I said, how you like that? And I didn't say it quite that way. I wanted to. But I said, you realize, I didn't structure the way church flows on Sunday. Most people are accustomed to going to church on Sunday. That doesn't mean I can't honor him on Sunday. Quit being so legalistic. And you know what, guys? I don't know that that lady serves God anymore. The second area is a thing called diet. Well, you better not eat that little pig. Those pigs are undefiled. Go to hell for eating that pig. I'll pray over it and sanctify it. And then I'll tear that sausage up. <laughs> See, Jesus himself said this. He said, it's what comes out of the heart that defiles a man, not what we eat. Now, you can eat those Twinkies over and over again. It, it won't make you right or wrong with God. It'll make you, make, you, make you as fat as a pig. But it won't make you right or wrong with God. I'm going to tell you that right now. And so many times we get legalistic. You better not eat that. I was around a Jewish guy one day. And I was eating this big old fat pork chop. And it was incredible, man. And every time I would saw that dude, he would look. Actually, it was Sandy Culkin who comes to the church, preaches here. He's a great Jewish man. He loves the Lord. I was hacking along on that thing, and I'd eat it, and he'd watch me. And he looked over at him. He said, Pastor Stormy, can I have a bite of that chicken chop? I said, absolutely. <laughs> now, he's a real Jew. He wanted that chicken chop. The third area is in the form of dress. People lose their salvation on how we dress. You know what? That's why I, I, I love coming to church. You can wear whatever you want, guys. You can wear whatever you want to church because I don't believe it ever messed with Jesus. I don't believe Jesus ever looked at one person and said, Hey, listen, dummy, don't come around me unless you got a tuxedo on. I don't believe he ever said that. He just wanted to love people. And one of my greatest hurts is when I hear people say, Pastor, i got family members that want to come to church here, but they don't have nothing to wear. Well, wear whatever they got. I, you know, I said one time we were having a, a Christmas Eve service, and I told people, you can come in your pajamas for all I care. And I'm sitting right here, and this guy in our church, he comes strolling in in his pajamas and his house shoes. Give me five, dude. That's awesome. If you've got the freedom to come in here with your I don't care. It's all right. But when we fall on all these leavens, guys, when you look what Jesus is talking about, Jesus wanted to lead us through the promised land. He wanted your life to be a life that flows with milk and honey. And whether it was religion, whether it was denying the resurrection, whether it was the, the compromise, sexual immorality, or even legalism, Jesus told them through the word of God back in Exodus, he said, listen guys, for this next week, I'm going to shine light on you and your household. And he said, I want you to remove everything in your life that's corruption and your household. Why? 
because just a little bit will affect the whole lump. Stand up here today. Stand.